on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. morning. Time's 8.03. Welcome to the start of a holiday-shortened week here in Hong Kong. This is Money Talk on Radio 3 on Monday the 11th of April. Peter Lewis here with today's business and finance headlines. Health officials in Shanghai reported Sunday a ninth straight day of record new COVID-19 cases as the city of 25 million people remains in lockdown. Authorities reported a total of almost 25,000 local COVID cases for April the 9th up from over 23,600 the previous day. Authorities said Saturday that lockdowns could be eased in communities that report no positive cases within 14 days after another round of COVID testing has been conducted. Hong Kong Chief Secretary John Lee announced on Saturday that he will stand as a candidate to be the next Chief Executive of Hong Kong. Mr Lee pledged to adopt a result-orientated leadership and said that the city must maintain its status as a global metropolis and business inclusivity is a must. He vowed to keep Hong Kong's role as a gateway between mainland China and the rest of the world. And China's securities regulator pledged Saturday to take steps to bolster stock market confidence, including widening market access and resolving an audit dispute with U.S. regulators that could lead to Chinese companies being delisted from the U.S. China's Securities Regulatory Commission Chairman Yi Human also said that capital markets in the mainland and Hong Kong will strengthen collaboration and the Shanghai-Hong Kong Stock Connect scheme will be expanded to include commodities and financial futures. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Louis Coyce at S&P Global Ratings and William Ma from Grow Investment Group. With a view from mainland China is Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Scher. And if you want to get in contact, please text 6393-5925. You can email any questions and comments to moneytalk at rthk.hk. You can post on our Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, or tweet us at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk! US stocks suffered their first weekly fall for a month after the Fed signaled a more aggressive pace of monetary policy tightening last week. The S&P 500 fell a third of a percent on Friday to 4,488. For the week, it was down 1.3%, ending three consecutive weeks of rallies. The Nasdaq, the Nasdaq Composite Index fell 1.3% for the day and was off almost 4% for the week. The Dow bucked the trend, rising 138 points on Friday to 34,721. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index rose 1.3% on Friday, boosted by bank stocks, which are beneficiaries of rising interest rates, and it finished the week ahead 0.6%. The FTSE 100 rose 1.7% for the week. Hong Kong stocks staged a late rally on Friday, led by property developers, to drag the Hang Seng into positive territory for the day. The benchmark index added 63 points, or 0.3%, to end the day at 21,872. For the week, the index was down 0.8%. The Hang Seng Tech Index fell 1.1% Friday, taking its weekly loss to 2.2%. 
shares of Tencent fell 1.3% after the company said it would shut down its video game streaming platform Penguin Esports in June. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite rose half a percent Friday to 3,252. However, over the five trading days, it fell 0.9%. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled 2.2% higher Friday, but was down 2% over the week. And this morning, it's at $101.31 a barrel. Copper was up half a percent over the week. Gold rose 1% over the five trading days to $1,945 an ounce. And the price of palladium jumped more than 10% on Friday to above $2,480 an ounce after newly produced Russian metal was in effect banned from trading in London, which is the world's biggest market for precious metals. The London Platinum and Palladium Market, the body that oversees London's markets for the metals, said it would bar metal produced by two major refining companies owned by the Russian government. And the prospect of faster interest rate rises has spooked government bonds worldwide, which are on an eight-month losing streak. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield rose for the sixth consecutive day, up another four basis points to a new three-year high of 2.7%. That's a rise of 31 basis points over the week. And the 30-year yield also reached a three-year high of 2.72%. The US dollar index rose 1.3% last week to its highest level since May 2020. The euro is at $1.09. The buck's trading at 124.3 Japanese yen. One British pound buys $1.30 and a third cents and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 22 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.37 versus the dollar in offshore markets. And Bitcoin fell more than 9% over the week to $42,200. Around Asian stocks this morning in Australia, the SX200 is up 0.1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is off about 0.6%. The Cosby in South Korea has opened half a percent lower. And futures markets pointing to a decline of about 130 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Time's just gone 8.09. Let's welcome our guest, Louis Coyce, Chief Asia Economist at S&P Global Ratings, is with us. Morning, Louis. Morning, Peter. And also with us up in Shanghai is William Ma, Chief Investment Officer at Grow Investment Group. Morning to you, William. Morning, Peter. So let's start up in Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai reported um, a ninth straight day of record new COVID-19 cases um, on Sunday, um, William, you're up there at the moment. Uh, what are you experiencing? What is, uh, what's happening in lockdown? Well, you know, I'm getting quite bored, you know, after lockdown for 21 days. And uh, I think um, there are some good numbers. Some of the smaller districts we are seeing uh, potentially a peaking. And then um, there are, you know, new rules, if you like, if the small district, um, the new cases are reducing down. Hopefully, you know, the lockdown would be closed for those uh, small districts for another maybe 14 days. Um, food supply is stable, but I think in some small district, again, um, some elderly people, uh, it's getting harder for them to, you know, order food because, you know, they have infantry, like for already 21 uh, days to like 30 days. So their old infantry is, you know, eating up. And I think the market sentiment is quite weak, if you like. And we are seeing a continuous increase in saving rate. 
from the domestic, you know, retail. So I think that would uh, dampen some uh, consumption in the near term. And what is the mood like among people up in Shanghai, among residents? Do they feel uh, that this strategy of locking down the whole city to contain the cases is working? Because the the data seems to suggest right now, uh, nine days of record cases, that it probably isn't. Well, I think um, the good thing is we are seeing a global trend, you know, starting from US, Europe and uh, in Hong Kong as well. Once the peak is, you know, reached and go down, it would go down quickly. So I think uh, people are still patient in the meantime. But I think at the same time, you know, the government is giving more resources support. I think that is the key because, you know, people like me, you know, staying at home, you know, we still need to eat. And then uh, some elderly people, they need medicine. So I think the key uh, critical point is whether there is enough resources supply for the next two, 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 three weeks. And for example, uh, JD.com is doing uh, online kind of like shopping, you know, over the weekend, I was one of them. And there are 25 million people in China, right? So doing that online shopping, there were 3 million, you know, people online trying to buy goods. So I think that reflects the needs of your resources supply, you know, uh, if you like. Okay, well, um, Louis, manufacturing in Shanghai, it's virtually ground to a halt. Tesla hasn't been able to open its uh, factory. Uh, We've had European manufacturers like Volkswagen uh, remain uh, remain closed. Um, Presumably, the longer this go on, you know, we've had nine days of record cases now, a lockdown for two weeks, the more devastating it becomes on the economy overall. Yeah, you know, um, so... When we have lockdowns in China or restrictions, we definitely see some impact on production. Um, so far, I would say, in the last two years, the experience has been that actually the impact on production tends to have been smaller than that on demand, you know, on spending by, by consumers along the lines of what William mentioned. Um, the, at the moment in Shanghai, it's Actually, logistics is, is, the, is, is the bigger problem. You know, uh, uh, trucking has, 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 has like cratered and uh, there are problem, other problems in logistics. So I would say, yes, definitely there is the occasional factory closure. But I, would, I think the, the majority of factories have actually found, you know, they have found ways to, to continue to operate. And just, you know, j- looking generally over the experience of the last two years, uh, logistics and demand. Are, I mean, I know a lot of people internationally are focused on production, but I would argue that actually the other two, like logistics and demand, are, are, are even bigger issues. And has this caused you, uh, I, I, is it caused you to revise, lower your economic forecasts for the, for the mainland? What, what are your forecasts at the moment? Well, we were already a bit cautious. We, you know, we definitely took note of the government's target of 5.5% for this year, but we don't have our forecast uh, uh, at, at, at that rate. So we are forecasting around 4.9%. Um, I think, if anything, the downside risks to that have increased. It's a little early in the game still to make you know, significant changes to the forecast, but definitely uh, these restrictions are weighing on growth quite heavily because it's not just a direct impact in the cities involved, but confidence you know, nationally is, 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 uh, is being affected by it. And even if you look at, I mean, again, I want to focus on transportation and logistics because we have quite good data uh, on trucking numbers. And you can see how the 
you know, the, uh, the, the problems in trucking are most severe in like, uh, you know, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in Jilin and in, in Shanghai. But in other broad areas, you know, hundreds of kilometers away from Shanghai, you also have impacts from these trucking problems. So it is very hard to get stuff to where it is needed. And that is definitely also weighing on growth. Mm. William, um, what's going to happen when this is over? Last time we had the big lockdowns back in 2020, um, the economy sort of recovered quite quickly afterwards, didn't it? People went out and started spending again. Are you in the mood to do the same Mm. again this time once it's over? Are you going to rush out and start spending again? Do you think people in Shanghai will do the same? I am. I think there is the so-called revenge consumption could be huge, you know, in particular in Shanghai. And uh, I believe, you know, besides the consumption recovery, people are expecting further policy support stimulus. The key words, if you like, is stability. So I'm less bearish on the GDP outlook for this year, if you like. There are some fund managers, including myself, is expecting maybe two to three X times of, you know, physical policy stimulus amount compared to 2008. Uh, in the form of maybe infrastructure project, environmental, you know, protection or green energy kind of like projects, as well as, you know, loan to the mid and small caps, you know, or tax cut. If that is, you know, there, I think that will change the mood and supporting the real economy, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially, you know, uh, in Q2, if not, you know, Q3 this year. So I think we have to see how much the stimulus support is coming in, and that will definitely impact the overall GDP outlook, you know. Are people, are the authorities reconsidering their approach? Because once this is over, for sure as night follows day, there's going to be another wave, isn't there? There's going to be at some point another pickup in cases, maybe another variant, another mutation of the virus. Um, Cases will go up again. Surely um, the cities can't go through this every time. Yep, I think um, the policy now, if you look at, you know, the other region in China, like Guangzhou or Lingbo and other areas, it seems um, uh, people are learning from the Shanghai experience, meaning that if there are smaller cases coming out, you know, the quick small district lockdown or the whole city will be implemented. So Mm. that will have some small impact on those cities. But I think that will prevent a large scale kind of like outbreak. So I think um, the new measure would be more targeted and contained. Louis, what can the authorities do? We're we're hearing more and more uh, comments from the State Council, from Premier Li Keqiang, about supporting the economy, that the headwinds, Premier Li Keqiang said on Thursday, uh, the headwinds affecting the economy had worsened, and the government would need to roll out more support. What can it do? What would you like it to do? You know, I think the authorities themselves also, over the last two years, have said that if we have people locked down in their house, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, you know, to, to stimulate the economy with a tax cut. And that's a little bit the same also if you think about like small businesses where if you, you know, if you can't open and if you have no clients, a tax cut is not really going to change the dial for you. So I think it is really at the moment, absolutely the bottleneck is those, is the approach to COVID. And as long as that doesn't change, I continue to be you know, quite bearish on, on, on growth in China, especially on the you know, consumption and, and domestic demand front. So what about the global impacts of this, Louis? It's affecting supply chains, clearly. Shanghai's uh, China's biggest port. Is it having a global impact? You know, I, I'm sure it does have a little bit of global impact. 
But as I mentioned before, I'm not as somber about the production side. We have seen that China's authorities, the local governments, are pretty good. You know, I I would say they have done a better job, and that's definitely in in the numbers overall. They've done a much better job of keeping production up. Uh, compared to keeping consumption up. And they continue to be very much focused on that. So definitely, whenever an individual city is closing down, you have problems over there. But, you know, China is a pretty big economy. And so other parts of the supply chain can Mm -hmm. sometimes compensate for that. I'm not that somber about the impact of this on on global, at the global level. I think we actually have nice data on this from the PMI surveys, like the detailed data on that, which shows that, you know, things like delivery times and backlogs have in China not nearly been as big a problem as, say, in Germany or, or the US in the last two years. William, do you think this is going to change some of the things that have impacted markets? Is there going to be less focus now on things like common prosperity, uh, on the regulatory crackdown, on the the large platform uh, firms? Is that going to take a um, a backseat now to trying to support the markets? We had the CSRC uh, chairman over the weekend. Uh, saying uh, some quite bullish things about trying to stabilize the markets and uh, and support them. Mm, I think the common poris- uh, common prosperity policy will remain there because this is a long term target. But in terms of sector specific kind of light policy, like in the big tech, I think there will be you know room to taking a pause, in particular because of the employment you know uh, figure. And secondly, I think um, there will be more supportive policy in terms of tax cut and different area, like real area, instead of trying to kind of like create more unemployment if those policies would impact, you know, the earnings of those companies. And, and what can they do to support the markets? There, there's been a lot of talk about trying to stabilise the markets. What can they actually do? Well, I think, you know, it has to be in terms of the fund flow. For example, I think um, the mutual fund flow has been quite, you know, um, um, muted, you know, in the last a month or two, given the, the, um, the poor kind of like performance in Q1. But having said that, there are some uh, um, strategies that uh, created good return, in particular in the alternative investment space. For example, commodity trading advisor was up like 3% versus the market down 13 So I see in terms of policy, there are more supportive in the market trying to send out a message, you know, there will be more economic policy support. Valuation is not expensive, but I think it has to go down to the private sector. Like some of the mutual funds, they are buying their own product. They are using a fundamental approach in which if the sentiment or the mood improve, I think retail investor will go back to the market. Then the market will you know, continue to kind of like rebound, if you like. Okay. Um, Louis, let me ask you about uh, Ukraine. Obviously, that's the other big uh, global concern at the moment and the impact that's having on commodity prices, food prices. What sort of impact is that having on the Asia-Pacific region? Well, these price increases, you know, for uh, energy, other commodities are, you know, very global, right? We, uh, we all uh, face the same uh, price increases. Well, uh, not, not exactly the same because, for instance, wheat is eaten uh, you know, the kind of cereals that you use for bread is used less in Europe than, sorry, in, in Asia than, 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 say, rice. So the price impacts are slightly different. But, you know, the, 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 the direction is very clear. Like, um, the prices for many or all commodities are going up, and that will make life difficult. It will eat into purchasing power. 
will increase inflation further. Inflation has not been as big a deal in Asia as it is in the U.S., but yeah. with that additional you know, with that additional wave of price increases from the Ukraine conflict, we are going to see central banks having to focus a lot more, much more this year than last year on fighting inflation. And we expect quite broadly across the region more interest rate increases, policy rate increases, also having to follow a little bit what the Fed is doing. William, are you experiencing price rises up on the mainland? Yes, uh, actually starting last year already, uh, late last year, for example, some of the soy sauce was increased by 15% already, you know, price hike last last year. I think food inflation is bad for uh, emerging, you know, economy, you know, so I think some of the capital will, will take a way out from emerging markets towards uh, the developed market because food mm-hmm. inflation is causing, you know, economy dampen, if you like, for the EM countries. Okay, well, thank you very much. Stay safe up there, William. That's William Ma, Chief Investment Officer at Grow Investment Group up in Shanghai. And also with us, Louis Coyce, Chief Asia Economist at S&P Global Ratings. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. Whether you're here or here, maybe here. Perhaps not there. You can always listen to Radio 3. Just go to your favorite app store and download RTHK on the go. Radio 3. We are always here. The Times 8.24 and also up in Shanghai, we have independence economist Andy Sher. Morning, Andy. Uh, good morning, Peter. Now, I think you're in the Pushi district, aren't you, of, uh, of Shanghai at the moment. What is the situation up there like at the moment? Well, it's lockdown. People are locked inside, so you don't see anything outside. Uh, uh, and, and it's been a long time, and you try to make do inside your your home. And the most important thing is to put a, put a food on the table. And how do you do that? Because we're hearing that it's uh, getting quite difficult. You can't go out to the supermarkets and uh, and the deliveries, the you know the 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 online delivery apps. It, it's they're overwhelmed. Yeah, I think the issue is uh, not uh, uh, the uh, capacity per se. It's really the virus is, uh, uh, it seems like uh, is, is infecting uh, the supply chain. Uh, so the government uh, has uh, these stringent rules uh, uh, on uh, if a truck can uh, come in or not. So a lot of truckers, that they, they pass through uh, high-risk areas and their health codes turn, uh, turn colors. Then they, they cannot get in. Then the stuff gets rotten on the on the highway. Mm. So this is uh, 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 this this is uh, kind of a uh, impossible situation. Uh, and and uh, because that that anywhere around Shanghai is a high risk area now. So if a truck comes in, even though the the the, the driver is inside the truck uh, and his health code will turn color. Mm. So I, I, I don't know how the government is going to solve this problem. What do the residents of Shanghai think about this strategy? I mean, Shanghai has been put 
into this total lockdown as part of the zero COVID policy to get the cases back down to zero as close as possible to zero. Do residents think, first of all, that it's working and do they think this is worth it in order to try and do that? Well, I think that the, uh, the uh, uh, if if we uh, all hung down for a week and uh, in, in the uh, the virus kind of gone uh, as expected, then it would be uh, it would be fine. I think right now it, it, it is not happening. Uh, there's still uh, every day you see lots of cases. So the issue is where these cases are from. Now the suspicion is on this uh, uh, COVID test because uh, you know it's been many many tests. People like uh, call down to line up to do the tests. Mm. So uh, you know there, there, there are some thoughts that uh, this could be uh, the reason. So uh, you know uh, actually these lockdown procedures are, uh, are making the problem uh, worse. But we, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, the, uh, uh, the virus, the nature of the virus uh, is not fully understood. So uh, the, the other is on the, the uh, food situation is very serious. I think that, uh, you know, for a lot of the young, energetic and tech savvy people, uh, they know how to kind of do, do these things, uh, like kind of rushing in as soon as something is, becomes available. Uh, no, but Shanghai is a very old city. Lots of old people uh, live alone, and their children have immigrated. Uh, so uh, I, it's very difficult for for these people. You know, mm. they 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 stored up. Uh, the governor said it would be five days. I think they probably stored up uh, for two weeks. That's what I heard. But beyond two weeks, a lot of people are, are, are in risk. These people usually don't shop don't shop online. Mm, so now, uh, for them to grab something like, like you know, you know, at a time like this, it's it's very hard. So what happens when this is over? Um, has the government got to rethink its policy? Because it's quite possible that there will later on be another wave. There may be another variant of the COVID nineteen uh, virus. Can Shanghai and other cities go through this all over again? Yeah, the, that, that's the issue is that uh, the virus is going around. You see, every, uh, actually, it's, it's already around. So it's a matter of time other cities uh, get locked down. So the initial thought that uh, somehow you can, could keep the virus in Shanghai, uh, and that, 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 that was pretty wrong. You, 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 now, now you look at the situation in Guangzhou, uh, in, in Xi'an, uh, and I think a lot of other cities will follow. So. Mm. So this this thing can last for a long time if uh, if 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 the government still wants to pursue zero COVID, uh, and uh, and so we, uh, we it's really too early to think how to do deal with this after you get get to zero. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be a long long time. And what's the... I think that afterwards we don't know. Yeah, I think that uh, this thing is. Uh, uh, you know, I think that the government does not understand how this, uh, what this virus is like, uh, and uh, and and, uh, and they, they, uh, the, uh, how it has changed. So, what worked two years ago, right now it's it's going it, to it, it's it's not working. So, so that that's uh, I think that the, that understanding hasn't happened yet. And what's going to be the economic impact on the mainland of this lockdown? I think that in China politics over everything else, so uh, the economic impact is really huge. It's much bigger than two years ago. 
uh, it's not just the the, uh, the the service sector is is locked up. You know, obviously it's half of the economy. The manufacturing sector is 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 is, uh, is very impacted, uh, and the supply chain is uh, is very long for any product. So uh, you know, if you have lockdown uh, in this city and that city, the the supply chain is disrupted. So uh, the manufacturing sector this time is not uh, up and running. And uh, major auto auto manufacturers have uh, announced the suspension of production. So you you can't imagine what, what's going on. Mm. Uh, I think that the uh, the economy right now is contracting very rapidly. Okay, well, Andy, stay safe up there. Good to talk to you. That's Andy Scheer, Shanghai-based independent economist. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets、uh, for this morning. First of all,、uh, over in Australia, the SX200 is up about a third of a percent. The Nikkei 225, though, in Japan, is down about 0.4 percent. The Cosby in South Korea is pretty flat at the moment.、Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about 130 points at the open this morning. Stay tuned for the news, followed by COVID update with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast mainly fine, apart from cloudy periods in the morning. Hot during the day, maximum temperature of about 28 degrees in the urban areas, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories, and it's going to remain hot in the next couple of days. Few showers on Wednesday and Thursday. Temperature right now is 24 degrees, and it's 82% relative humidity. Times 8:32. Here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. Top epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling has questioned what Hong Kong's plan is on handling COVID going forward. The Hong Kong University professor said Omicron no longer posed a danger to the community, with an estimated four million people here infected in the latest wave. He said cases would definitely rebound when schools returned and social distancing measures were eased next week. But he said Hong Kong needed a different approach if cases rebounded, as its previous plan to keep out Omicron failed. Professor Cowling said vaccinating the elderly remained the priority. In Hong Kong, we're going back to the same strategies that we had six months ago, meaning quarantine hotels that are not really purpose built, and a plan for control in the community, which didn't work for BA2 and probably will not work for the next variant, and is also not apparently working very well in Shanghai, and they're doing even more stringent measures than, than we had in Hong Kong. So I think we've really got to think very carefully about the rationale for trying to keep COVID out of the community in the long term. I think it's it's going to be very very difficult to sustain that. Overseas vote projections from the first round of the French presidential election suggest Emmanuel Macron will face the far right leader Marine Le Pen in a runoff in two weeks' time, just as they did five years ago. The projections give Mr. Macron about. 28% of vote compared to about 24% for Ms. Le Pen. President Macron addressed his supporters in Paris. His words are spoken through an interpreter. This Sunday, the 10th of April, you were more than 36 million people who used your right to vote. Achieved by generations before, and I thank all of you that from this first round to have voted for me, to have chosen for me. Thank you. These voters in Paris and Dijon said they felt disillusioned about the candidates. The politicians are not living in the reality of everyday life. 
like increased living costs, for example, grocery shopping. When you have salaries where you don't need to count every penny, it's easy, and you don't see the difference. Whereas when you have low salaries, you see the difference right away once the price of something increases. After the breath of new hope from Macron five years ago, we now have people who are much more basic in terms of their politics. Macron was really disappointing during his mandate, so the spark of hope we had five years ago has disappeared. The Austrian Chancellor Karl Niehammer will travel to Moscow later today for talks with President Putin. He'll be the first EU leader to meet Mr. Putin in 